we've talked about this a million times. We're finally doing it. Like, I feel like we've been awaiting this episode and talking about this episode for a while. We have brought up Stephen King probably at least once almost every episode this season. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it seems strange, I think, to highlight an author for a movie podcast, but he's very influential in the movie industry. He's written scripts. He has appeared in movies. And he has a ton of adaptations of his work out there. So he's oh, very... Yeah. He has a hand in a lot of movie stuff, so definitely, I don't have a problem talking about an author. Me either. Me either. <laughs> At seventy-two years old, this man has written like over sixty novels, over yeah. two hundred short stories. He's had over fifty movie adaptations of his work done, over thirty series adaptations of his work, over thirty written publication ap- adaptations, like with comic books and stuff like that. He's been nominated and won countless awards. I mean, this man, he is an icon that is still with us. He's such a cool, laid back, you know, just a just a really cool grandpa kind of guy. Yeah. A huge contrast to the ideas that he is able to create yeah. in the worlds yeah. and settings that he's able to conjure up. So. I've heard him say this so many times. He because people ask, you know, um, did anything happen traumatic to you in your childhood? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, or, you know, did something happen to you during your childhood? And he normally kind of takes that as like, what fucked me up? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, what uh, resulted in me writing all this scary stuff? But he's just mm-hmm. like really nothing that I can remember. You know, yeah. a couple of times he's been pretty coy with it and been like, not that I would tell you guys if there, if I could remember, <laughs> but uh I mean, like Stephen King's in a rock band. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they they're they're called the Rock Bottom Remainders, and it's with a, with a bunch of other authors. And he loves the Red Sox. He's a huge Red yeah. Sox fan. He's just like this typical American dad. I, and I think some people would maybe think that maybe takes away a little bit of the mystique, knowing that he's just a normal guy. But like to me, I I'm just even more impressed because yeah, yeah. I think that you know being able to come up with some of the most disturbing, dark, weird concepts and and uh genuinely like frightened generations of people (laughs) and then he's just so normal you know yeah yeah before we got too deep into the discussion here i did want to plug two two different people one very near and dear to my heart uh sarah from the podcast the circle opens is incredible she's amazing we love her so much Uh, She's doing a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand, which I believe is his longest novel. Yep. And me being on my virus kick, I immediately picked up this book and then you know I'm I'm part of a Stephen King group and I saw that she was doing this and I was like, oh my god, I gotta get in on this. And I did and I've been loving it so far. We're up to chapter 24 or 25 I think now. And she does one a week, and it's definitely a way to keep me motivated to read every week. And it's it's a really great book so far. The universe that Stephen King creates is just absolutely amazing. You fall in love with the the smallest characters that even that don't really seem very significant to the story. It, one chapter, the chapter that I just read this week, um, actually brought me to tears, and that is very 
very rare in oh, for wow. a book to do. So oh, cool, cool, um, cool. Very powerful book, and Sarah does a great job going through all of them. She uh, there's a mini series that's coming up that is going to be based on the stand, and she's got the news on that every week. Anytime she hears something, she's posting about it, and um, she's just a really great resource. We, we've been chatting back and forth and she's a very big supporter of us as well, which thank you so much, Sarah. We, you cannot imagine how much we appreciate that. But, it, but one of the things that I'm afraid of is once the stand finally ends, it's kind of like, I mean, there's 78 chapters in the stand, which means we have over a year's worth of episodes to cover. But, um, I don't know. I just like, I want her to cover every book that I read and I just don't <laughs> think that's possible. So if there is something that, you know, she wants to do, uh, I will follow her after this. I absolutely will. I would hope it's another Stephen King book because I feel like there's so many that I want to get to and just can't find the time. Uh, but this is a great way for me to stay motivated reading. So Sarah, thank you so, so much. We love you here. Keep doing what you're doing. The way that you've talked about it and the way I've heard her talk about it, I've not listened to every episode because I'm not reading the book. But I, I think that you know, what's good about this is that once it's up, it's up and I can use it as a resource when I do read this book yeah, because I really exactly. do think, you yeah. know, that I, that I will wind up reading this book because it really is, I, you know, I've, you've read some of the book to me and uh, it was, it was terrifying, but like so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I will say it's you, um, it's a great resource because even if you don't have the time to sit and read Stephen King's largest book. <laughs> um, she does a really, I mean, it's not the same as like an audiobook or, you know, reading the actual book, but she does a great job of covering even the smaller details. Uh, so you really get a sense of what the story is about, what, what happens in each chapter without having read it. I feel like oh, by, wow. the end, okay. cool. yeah, by the end of this, you could have listened to the whole podcast and have been an expert on the book because she goes very in depth into everything. So um, that's really if that's an alternative to you, if it's a quicker thing, go for it. That's I highly yeah. recommend it. So yeah. Well, I mean, like when you think about, okay, it's a book that is over a thousand pages long. It's as long as book. But, you know, if you break it up into chapters, like a couple of pages a chapter is so much more, so much less intimidating. I think that's yeah. what happens with me. Like, I don't know how I got through it. I think I, I was so, <laughs> I think it, it had to have been the movies and the threat of the oncoming at chapter two and knowing that I wanted to get there. You know what I mean? A book that big can seem intimidating, but breaking it up into pieces like she does, you know, obviously it's just chapters, but like, you know, uh, going chapter by chapter, like you said, it just feels so much more manageable. Oh, I only have to read a couple of pages a week to like yep. to catch up or to yep, keep yep. up. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, and she brings this up every episode in her podcast, but I figured this was fitting. Uh, there's an Etsy store called Secondhand Bookery. It's at secondhandbookery.etsy.com, I believe. And they sell uh, books. They sell Stephen King books and merchandise. And um, it's a really good source for that. So I just figured I'd plug that. It'd be the, the perfect episode to plug. Um, go check it out. If you, if you do, should they, they definitely have copies of the stand. So if you are interested, uh, feel free to go check them out and get your copy and enjoy, enjoy Stephen King because he's very enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. What's your favorite Stephen King movie adaptation? My favorite adaptation. This is really tough because I so immediately want to say it, but I feel like I didn't love the second one as much as I loved the first. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's hard to 
put those two together in one movie and have like one solid opinion on them. But my favorite adaptation right now, aside from it, is The Mist. I love that adaptation. Have you seen it? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've talked about that. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not talking about the TV show. The TV show apparently was garbage. I didn't even give it a chance. I haven't (laughs) even watched it, but I heard, I hear it's bad, (laughs) but the movie version, it is beautiful and devastating and horrific and terrifying yeah, and it's just amazing. And I something about that movie I think it was crazy was that uh, if you've seen it and watched the ending, that's not the ending in the book. Yeah, and I remember yeah. Stephen King being like, "Oh, that's a better ending." Like you know, <laughs> I was that. That's really cool because that ending, that the ending that wound up in the movie is genuinely gut wrenching. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, yeah. it it almost it leaves you with like someone just sucked all the air out of you. I mean, it mm-hmm. is just. Uh, yeah. I don't even like to think about it. It's really it's, – it's hard. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't even know how the actual book ends. I've not actually read the book. but like It's I, funny because I've read the book <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure I can tell you either. I think, I think they – I'm not even going to say it. I won't spoil anything. But uh, it's certainly not as devastating as the ending to the movie adaptation. If it's even remotely happy, if it doesn't make you absolutely just want to give up on life, then it's <laughs> got to be way different than this. But yeah, I I really liked that movie too. I remember thinking um, if I ever went to, you know, out in public and had something like that happen to me, I don't know what the fuck I would do. You know what I mean? Because you can at least like retreat into a safe space in your home, but all these people are just in a freaking grocery store, you know? (laughs) That's terrifying. That is like legit. That is a that is a scary, scary premise. He comes with these awesome like high concept premises, but backs it up with – you know, obviously beautiful storytelling and characters that you love and and want to learn more about and all that stuff. But like his high concept ideas, so many of them, and maybe not all of them, but like so many of them can be like elevator pitched in like a sentence or two. Author is saved by his crazy number one fan and it's like... Telepathic girl goes to prom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that is a reason why he's so successful. I mean, obviously the books are good and that's why he's you know, successful as well, but he can get people with these little hooks, you know, you just read the back of the book and it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, I know what this is about. It never felt too inside baseball, the books that I've read. Everything kind of just feels like accessible for everyone. I mean, sure, there are, there's like an age range where maybe it's, you know, like maybe you shouldn't read some of his books if you're but so (laughs) young, but I mean... Other than that, like I've never felt like, oh, I can't get into this, you know? Yeah, yeah. What is your favorite adaptation? Uh, so my favorite adaptation, and I'm also going to ask you your favorite book in a second, but okay. mine is the same. Uh, it's Dolores Claiborne. I oh yeah, love, 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 love that movie, and it makes me love the book as well. <laughs> I uh, that whole movie was slept on because her performance was so great in Misery, but I just. Something about that story and something about her struggle. Yeah. I just care so much about <laughs> her. I, I just love it. Was that wasn't Jodie Foster? That was Jennifer Jason Lee, right? Oh, her daughter. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. They both were incredible in that movie. They were. I've not totally. read the book, but I, I, the movie definitely made me want to for sure. The book is really cool because it's just like a stream of consciousness. It's not necessarily yeah. like like chapters and things like that. It's just someone you know, right. saying it. 
it fit. It definitely winds up fitting. And uh, God, I just, if you haven't seen Dolores Claiborne, it is the kind of movie that if you're more of a Shawshank Redemption person than an it person, uh, I think you'll like Dolores Claiborne because yeah. it's, it's not supernatural horror. You know what I mean? It's just like a drama and it's really good. Yeah. I think that's one thing that a lot of Stephen King fans have a problem with is that people just, and not for, you know, it makes sense that this happens, but people just hear Stephen King and they automatically assume he's this a horror writer and that's yeah. what he's best known for, which makes sense. But I think, he is so much more than that. I mean, the, the movies that come to mind, Shawshank Redemption, uh, The Body, I think was the, what was the movie called? Stand um, By Me. Yeah, Stand By Me. Um, they're really not, I mean, horrific things happen, but it's they're not horrors. They're more yeah. like yeah. slices of life, dramas. Um, he's so much more than that. Uh, Elevation I, is a book that of, of his, like small book that I read of his. That's not really, I mean, it's it's a nice, cute little story. It's not like... You know, he's, he's, he can do other things. He's not like this yeah. one, one trick pony. Is that the phrase? Yeah, definitely. And well, you just mentioned the the body and Shawshank Redemption back to back. And I just wanted to also say that like, if I was worried that this might not count because I, uh, because it's a group of short stories, but different seasons, which is Rita Hayworth yeah. and the Shawshank Redemption, uh, the body is in it at pupils and it's like four stories and mm-hmm. it is so good they're all so i i just love i love that book too but um oddly enough i've not read shawshank redemption and i've not seen shawshank redemption and i know i just heard the whole world like collectively gasp at that because that's, <laughs> that's why i call myself chronically uncultured but i'm working on fixing that the story is actually called rita hayworth and the shawshank yeah. redemption yeah. but like i honestly feel like like knowing knowing what that means like i I'm glad that the movie is just called Shawshank Redemption because it kind of seems like like it's alluding to like having having seen and read it. It almost feels like, oh, OK, maybe you're giving too much away. You're alluding to it. You'll you'll eventually know what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> I have read I have the book and I've read maybe like a quarter of the Shawshank Redemption story, yeah. but like I had not enough of it to know. So I know he has like a poster or something of her, but that's about it. And I, I don't really know much more than that. So this, uh, that Different Seasons book, uh, you, I gave that book to you and you were like, oh, I just bought this book. (laughs) So here, you take mine. So we just gave each other the book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I have, I have the copy you bought and you have the copy I bought. That's funny. Um, Speaking of people kind of having like weird perspectives on Stephen King, uh, he, he tells a story about how he was in a grocery store and this older lady comes up to him and she says, I know who you are. I recognize you. And he's like, oh, really? And she says, yeah, you're Stephen King. You write those horror stories or whatever. And I think she, maybe she mentions one of his horror horror stories and she says, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like all that horror stuff. Maybe it or something like that. And she says, I like something more uh, uplifting like that Shawshank Redemption. And he's like <laughs> – He's like, well, I, I wrote that too. And she says, no, you didn't. <laughs> I Step love it. Step off, lady. Jeez. Yeah. Why would you go up to someone and say, I don't like your work? Yeah. <sighs> I think she was like an older lady. You know, some people no just excuse. don't have filters. Uh, it's cute, no though. <laughs> like the way he tells that story, she was just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well. Oh, jeez. Anytime anything comes on YouTube where he's like standing in front of an audience and just talking, I watch it. Like I, yeah, 
love, 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 love listening to him talk. Like I'm, I think I'm more obsessed with him as a person than as a creator, to be honest with you. Uh, like I, I really genuinely think he is just such a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's this magnetism to him. I think mm-hmm. it's really, really cool. Yeah. Okay. So what is your favorite book? I already told you mine. Let's, what is your favorite book? My favorite book right now is uh, Pet Cemetery. so far. I absolutely loved that book. Was not a fan of the remake, the movie that just came out. I didn't yeah. like it. They made some major changes that I think were probably easier on set just to like to do just they were, you know, more efficient, but like it didn't it didn't work for the story. I think it ultimately hurt the story and there's this weird twist at the end that didn't make sense. I didn't like it. I was not a fan. I want to see the remake and I want you to see the original. Yeah, I've because I've seen, seen the original, the original and uh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm curious <laughs> to know. Like, it's one of those things where it's dated, but we'll see what you think, you know? Yeah. Also, like, I'm sure with, you know, the year that the movie came out, the original, I feel like the animation, and like, because you have to have, like, puppets and yeah animatronics and stuff. And I can't imagine that they were too high quality back then. But um, you also read that book, like, really quick. Yes. I read it to prep for the movie, actually. And it ended up being like, I was like, God, this it's such a great book. It's such a good, fun book. But like, it's also horrifying at the same time. And yeah, um, you just these characters are just they go through such tragedy and you feel every bit of it. And it's just it's a testament to how amazing his his writing is I just it's a really really good book and I haven't so I'll say I've read seven of the 61 I really don't have a lot to work with but of the seven that I've read Pet Cemetery is my favorite so far so okay I if, if yours is only seven mine's probably like four or five like I know that we've both read it yes uh you've read Dr. Sleep and the Shining yes Pet Cemetery. yes what else is there? Shit. I've read The Mist. I've read oh, Carrie. And The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. And The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, yeah. Which you didn't like. I didn't. It I sounds didn't. like totally a story I would love. Like Lost in the Woods, just girl, like. Probably. And it's like, I think it just, it was too slow. And there were, there wasn't a lot that happens. And I know that Stephen King is very much the detail man. He does oh, not yeah, shy yeah, away from his details. details. Yep. Um, but there was just a lot of this girl just wandering through the woods and there's this like scary monster theme that I'm not sure that I connected with immediately. Maybe with a reread, I'd understand it better, but I just, it just wasn't my favorite. No, I gotcha. For sure. I've read Christine. I've read, uh, you've read Christine. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I knew that. Yeah. Uh, just cause John Carpenter directed the, the, oh, uh, the movie, the adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've read Dolores Claiborne. I've read um, It. I've read Different Seasons. I feel like there's at least one more. But yeah, not not as much as you and not as much as I would like to. It's just some of these things are like they're pretty uh, massive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like even like something like, I don't, I don't know, I, there, this is a movie podcast and I know we have a lot of movie lovers on here. So I'm thinking... You, we probably, by default, have a bunch of people who are intimidated by books because <laughs> you love movies. That's you know what I mean. Like that's that's strengthened my love of movies is because books intimidate me. Uh, yes. And you you know you look at a book and it's it's four hundred pages and I'm like 
I don't know how, I'm not a very fast reader. Yeah. You know, this is going to take me a year. And um, I can watch a movie in two hours. So it's just, it's kind of the different. And I love the the medium of film more than I love, you know, any other me, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like I would if a movie if I if I know a movie is coming out and it's an adaptation, I'm not like you where I will want to read the book first. I know it's because you don't feel like once you've seen the movie that you'll ever wind up going back to it. It's yeah. I just make peace with it and watch the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Since knowing you, you have definitely gotten me back into reading fiction. I think there was we've talked about this in the um the book adaptation episode I think where I was reading a lot of nonfiction things like biographies of people and uh, things to kind of help me with like film school and not necessarily like textbooks but additional learning for that so just I kind of got into that mode for a while and I'm really glad that you know I can enjoy fiction now like again I've gotten back into that mode so uh, and Stephen King is the one to do it. I mean, I think if if I was going to say, uh, you know, an author whose books I've enjoyed the most, I still think it will be, even though I've only read a couple of them. I still think those are the books that I've enjoyed the most. Even It, which I hated the ending to, like, is still a killer book, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's also a really, really good book, so. As well as being a book about a killer, but um, uh, that was a dumb joke. <laughs> And here, okay, this is completely off topic, but like, you know, those movies where they come out in the trailer and and uh, they they have like the the pull quotes. They call them pull quotes, where it's like a critic will say something about the movie and they'll put yeah. it in the trailer, yeah. and they'll say one hell of a movie, and you're never really sure if it's actually a good movie or just a movie about hell. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so, like that that's the kind of uh, thing that just I don't know. I don't know why the hell I brought that up. <laughs> What else um, do you have to say about Stephen King? So I have uh, I pulled some statistics from his uh, movie adaptations because I was curious to know which of his adaptations was the most successful. No, um, you know that. I mean, I mean, yeah, but like, I guess I wanted to see how like The Shining compared to you know some of, of course, his other of things. Yeah, and I have the top ten, and these are adjusted for inflation. So if it's adjusted for inflation, this is domestic grosses. Then I would assume yes. Um, I'll leave a link to where I got this information. It's a website that has it all charted out. Uh, But it is number one. The second is Green Mile. Number three is It Chapter Two. Number four is The Shining. Five is Carrie, which I believe is the original, not the remake. Uh, Six is Misery. Seven is the original Pet Cemetery. Eight is Stand By Me. Nine is 1408, which made me so happy that made the top 10 list. I love that movie. And 1408 is just a little short story. I'm sure lots yeah. of them are, but like, I love There's, that. Yeah. I've read 1408, which is... Oh, I'm trying to think if I did. I don't think I have yet. Um, but I, I, that's one that I will absolutely read because I, yeah. I adore that movie. I think it's amazing. I've read lots of his short stories. I like yeah. I like his short... I Because lo- it's short and it's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the 10th uh, is uh, Running Man. That, that is like a very interesting list. Like there are so many of those movies that are like really good. I'm really glad that, you know, they're successful. Yeah. And I did. I looked further down the list because I was like, oh, there are some on here that like I'm surprised are not on the list. Shawshank was number 16 and The Mist was number 29. So those are those are sort of his uh, yeah. uh, breakdown of his uh, more successful adaptations. So. It's just crazy the influence that he's had on pop culture. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, how many people reference his books and movies and peel it all back? Take 
just one of his books, The Shining. I mean, the influence that The Shining has had on pop culture yeah. is yeah. crazy. Not to mention so many of his other books. Yeah. His wife famously was the one that that dug Carrie out of the trash and said, no, actually, I think this could you could actually wind up selling this. This would actually wind up being pretty good. He literally threw the manuscript in the trash and she was like, no, give this another shot. And it was his first published novel. So like you have to wonder if like without her, would he even be here? Like, I think that's yeah, I think absolutely. It's certainly important, but. Absolutely. When he got the note saying that he was actually going to be published, I think he was at work or something, and it came over the intercom. Stephen King, you have an important call from your wife. He said he was thinking that, like, either uh, he got the book or one of his kids broke their leg or something. <laughs> and he got the book, and it said $2,500 cash advance. That's it. That sounds like change, though, compared to the money that he's making now for those books. Yeah. As of 2019, he's worth $400 million. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. He owns his own radio station. Mm-hmm. Well, he actually owns a thing that owns three radio stations. Yeah. But like this, this guy is a uh, he's a he's a wealthy man. He's a wealthy man. But I love that he just still lives in a like a like a pretty humble house in in Maine. Like a, it's nothing. I'm sure he has multiple houses. But like the the picture on Wikipedia looks like oh, okay. <laughs> like he could afford a he's four hundred million dollars. If you if you take a look at his house, it almost looks like it could be like. A horror house of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything Anything else? Oh, well, yeah. I just wanted to talk about the fact that he's like pretty much surrounded by authors too. His wife, Tabitha King, is an author. His uh, sons are both writers. Joe Hill, who wrote Nosferatu and... Um, Horns, the, the movie. Horns, with, yeah. Yeah, with Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Owen King, who he's collaborated with uh, to write Sleeping Beauties, mm-hmm. which is another book I need to read. <laughs> um and he also has a daughter whose name is Naomi, and she's an activist and a minister. So she's a gay activist. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I read that too, um, which is amazing. And I think it's one of the funniest things here is that his son's name is Joe, like his actual son's name is Joseph King. King and yeah. Joe does not like it's to go. <laughs> he uses a pen name for his books. He goes Joe Hill because if he yeah. was Joe King. <laughs> I just think that is the funniest thing ever. I think that, that is, is hilarious. <laughs> it is truly like it was his only option just to, <laughs> just to go with Joe Hill. Um, I think that's incredible to me. Yeah. I've seen uh, interviews with both of them. Mm-hmm. And not only are they so similar, uh, and he's just such a, a true like younger version of his dad when it comes to his personality. Yeah. I love that he is seeing success and that yeah. you know, I hope he really follows. And I've not seen much of Owen other than from Sleeping Beauties, mm-hmm. but I know, I mean, obviously Joe is, is very successful. Uh, Horns and Nosferatu have been adapted. And I think, uh, I, I mean, they, they just did, um, uh, what the hell is it called? In the Tall Grass, which yeah, is another collab. Uh, an, yeah, collab yeah. with him and his dad. Mm-hmm. So. I really want to watch that. I I do too because I've heard nothing but mixed reviews. I feel like a lot of people loved it and a lot of people really hated it. I do know that it's really? very disturbing. There are some very like weird things that happen. Um, oh really? Yeah, but and I know it's a short. I know it's a novella, so it's a very short yeah. story. But uh, yeah, it's that would be an interesting read and watch. I get excited about that because when when it's a novella, 
versus a 1,200-page book, <laughs> you can take an idea that's presented in maybe 15, 20 pages, you know, like a, a short story aggregated into a book. Because I know In the Tall Grass is in there, is in the the book Full Throttle. Yeah. Um, which is coming out of recent. Yeah. Or, okay. I don't say, I don't know if it's out yet or not. I like that better. You can take a short story and expand on it versus like having to pick and choose what you're going to cut out of it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you're like reading these books and watching the movies, like 1408 is expanded upon in, a, in such a way that a short story that is only, you know, several pages long. I don't know exactly how long it is, you know, lasts for an hour and a half. Yeah. But it takes it four and a half hours to to, all movies. to leave a whole bunch of shit yeah. out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 we should talk about On Writing. That's a cool book. We both have always been interested in writing. It's like a no-brainer. Why would we not want to <laughs> learn from the master, the you grades, know, yeah. somebody who's our idol? That's a, that is a really, if you're interested in writing, I mean, I've not read it all. It's It's definitely like, a really interesting experience hearing someone as prolific and as iconic as him talk about, you know, writing and, and, and the do's and don'ts and how important it is and stories. And it's something that's very interesting to me and something that I get bogged down in, in my writing is that like, he's like, I don't want to ruin my story with plot. I want to focus on characters and motivations (laughs) and and, and that kind of stuff. He does not like to know the ending of his story. He just comes up with these characters and situations that they might, you know, fall into and just kind of uh, thinks about it and then records it as his brain comes up with it. It's interesting hearing about different people's techniques. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have just a couple of fun, interesting things you might not have known about Stephen King, some Stephen King trivia. He, in 1999, was hit by a van, which resulted in some pretty serious injuries. He had a a bunch of major fractures. He had a collapsed lung from the whole thing. And after the accident was all over, he bought the van that hit him, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was funny. And going back to the... Wait, did you hear the quote that he he put out because he bought the van? No. Oh, so he, he said he gonna, bought the van for $1,500 and was going to take a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did read that somewhere. That was cool. Uh, going back to the point that we were talking about, like any childhood traumas, apparently, according to his mother, he came back from playing outside one day and he was just like completely white in the face, like wouldn't talk for the rest of the day. And it turns out she found out later that one of his friends was found run over by a train. And she doesn't know if like the two were connected somehow he doesn't know if if steven was there when it happened but apparently steven has zero memory of this situation whatsoever he does not recall this at all so it's just an interesting tidbit maybe it's you know a a blocked source of inspiration for him i don't know yeah um yeah uh a specific story that he wrote might have been influenced (laughs) by it for sure yes wink wink the body i yep completely understand he uh, was struggling with drugs and alcohol for a while uh, and claims that he was sort of was at its thickest when he was writing the novel Cujo. And he says he doesn't really remember writing that novel, <laughs> um, and which is like crazy to me. But his that's not that fucked up of a novel. Cujo? I've read Cujo. That's another one I forgot. I've read Cujo. That's not that fucked up. And I've seen the movie. I would believe that he was in the middle of an acid trip during it. it. I know, I know. 
this is just what I read. I'll include. No, the no, no. I believe you. Like I, I totally, I know, I know that that's true. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, uh, he he handled it well. He was functioning <laughs> well with Cujo. If I remember but, correctly, uh, he said something like, "I enjoyed the book. Like I wish I remember writing it because it was like it's, uh, I enjoyed it. It would have been nice to remember that, but." Um, but his family actually staged an intervention for him. So he is now sober and, you know, he's been sober since. So he has written several novels under the pen name Richard Bachman. And his motivations for this, he has he's really two big motivations for this. The first being that it was sort of against his publisher's recommendations to publish more than one novel in a year. And under a pen name, he was able to do that. So that was one reason. And another reason was that he wanted to sort of test his success he wanted to know if uh his success was a product of luck or or popularity or if it was actual talent that sold his books yeah um and once his secret was out the bachman book sales uh were 10 times more successful <laughs> so yeah. sort of a crapshoot there but um but i mean his, his bachman books are are good i think uh, or well they're uh, successful, I should say, which, you know, makes yeah. sense. I haven't, I think I read Thinner, but that was about it. It was a long time ago. I don't even consider that a book that I've read because it was so long ago. But somebody asked him, has, has he ever considered doing that again? And he tells this story about how the Beatles were performing at this place. The cheers were so loud that they almost, you couldn't even hear the music. Jeez. And I think Paul McCartney had asked John Lennon, like, what do you think about if if we just came out here and we were, you know, in masks performing as some unknown band and we could actually play the music, you know? And uh, he said, uh, John Lennon responded by saying three notes in, they would know exactly who we were. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing, you know, Steve, like Stephen King, obviously, you know, he is, has a very distinct yeah way of telling a story yeah, so yeah, yeah. he thinks he'd be found out if he if he did it nowadays <laughs> i mean richard bachman was a while ago and i and people found it out then so yeah, yeah his advice to aspiring writers was if you want to be a writer you must do two things above all others read a lot and write a lot there's no way around these two things that i'm aware of no shortcut so any aspiring writers out there if you want to write like stephen king read and write every day uh, I read somewhere that he strives to write uh, 1,000 to 2,000 words each day, which is, I don't know if you got to go that far, but it's. Well, I mean, once you're, once you're him and, and people pay you to write, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, just, I think it is important. I mean, we ran a writing group for three years and it, it's the, the importance is that uh, it doesn't like at first it may feel like a chore, mm -hmm. but. If you don't use you know, it, you lose it kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And like if you're if you if if it's such a slog and you just hate it, then maybe it's not for yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like the best success the most successful writers, in my opinion, aren't ones that are like, Oh my god, this sucks. This is so terrible. It's like you should want to do this. You should crave this kind of thing. And if you don't, that's okay. But maybe again, maybe you're not meant to be the next Stephen King. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, apparently his novel, The Walking Man, was written in just 10 days. His favorite novel that he's written is Salem's Lot, and he has a fear of the number 13. So basically, like, if he's writing, he, he can't finish that day on a page number that's a multiple of 13. Like, he'll either stop or he'll write more to give himself another page. Like, he does not like the number 13, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> 
That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, interesting. Like, people's superstitions and things like that, you can't really question. Like, when someone's when – someone's oh, my dog's barking. But uh, <laughs> when someone's wildly successful and they're superstitious, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's working yeah. for you. I, maybe I should be more – maybe I should be more superstitious. <laughs> Um, that was it for me. Did you want to talk a little bit about uh, his dollar babies? I think that's a really interesting Stephen King-ism. Yeah, we brought this up on the movie adaptation one, I believe, too. He basically has these stories that are available for people. I found out about them when I was in film school, but um, I guess I don't know that it necessarily has to be someone who's studying film. But if someone who just wants to... I think this all to say... Let me Let me just say this first. He's not like possessive over things that he has written like he likes the idea of people adapting his work and putting a new look on things and you know what i mean like uh, he he's not yeah. oh, i don't even know the word but he just doesn't feel like he's that possessive over certain things and maybe that just comes with age maybe that comes with having so much work you know what I mean? That it's not that huge of a deal. Yeah. Um, but basically he has stories that are available that basically you can adapt and they won't sue you. If a budding filmmaker wants to uh, adapt a Stephen King story, well, bam, you can do that. You just literally Google Stephen King's Dollar Babies and there's a bunch of uh, different stories that you can adapt. And I think that is so cool. Um, yeah. Definitely. I just think that says a lot about him that like he not only, you know, writes books to encourage writers, but he also uh, has a way that he can encourage filmmakers. It's admirable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He's a very humble man. He's just so fucking cool. You know, there's always that way of separating the artist from the art, but you don't need to in this regard, you know? Yeah. I will say he's not, I mean, there, there have been problems I know in the past of, or maybe controversies about his writing. I think a lot of his stories might've been a product of his generation, but I think he's come a long way. I think he supports all the right things now. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You're right. Like it is, it is totally okay to learn and evolve and admit you were wrong and move forward. We've been changing as a culture Mm -hmm. and he just seems like he gets it now. And I've, I've only really, you know, paid attention to him for I would say about maybe like a like a decade or so, but like yeah. at least since I've known him, he's always seemed like yes, he's he will he will be standing on the right side of history when it's all over. Yes, yes. I'm very excited about uh, his newest novel, The Institute. I have not picked that up yet. Um, the Stand is getting a remake. We just got a promo for The Outsider. Oh, I can't wait for The Outsider. That's going to be so cool. I know. When you guys hear this, uh, Dr. Sleep will come out in a week, November yes. 8th. And oh. today will be the first when y'all hear this. I mean, yeah. Or when I guess when we release this. I don't know when you'll listen to it. But whatever. I, me too. Me too. And there's, I know there's talk of um, this director maybe doing projects in the future. I don't think now is the time to talk about that. But like, uh, it's certainly something to keep an eye out for. Uh, it's, it's such an exciting project. And I know like it is not a it's not a secret that like the shining is not one of my favorite movies. I don't think it's the best, but there's, there's certain callbacks to this. And I think it'll just be a really interesting experience because it does directly yeah. reference yeah. the shining movie. 
And um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. It'll be how he handles it. I love Mike Flanagan. I love you know the work that he's done. But yeah, I know he's he's fantastic. If if you guys have not seen Haunting of Hill House um, or Hush, he did Hush, right? Yes, it's amazing. Uh, he did Hush too, yes. and he did Gerald's Game. And I know Stephen King has approved of, I know at least uh, Hill House, probably Gerald's Game too. Oh, that's a funny story. Gerald's Game, uh, if you don't really know what it's about, it's basically like is this woman and this man are playing like this like kind of like sexual game, I guess, and he ties her up. He handcuffs her to his bed frame. Both yeah, he th- yeah, yeah. And so she's like strapped there and she can't, you know, uh, well, he has a heart attack and he's like dead on the ground or whatever. <laughs> And uh, so she's stuck. And so he was like trying to think, well, okay, well, I have this set up. Like, but how does she get out of it? I've got to figure out a way to get out of it. So he calls he calls Joe, who is his son, who's about like 15 at the time, um, upstairs and says, Joe, um, lay on this bed. I'm going to tie you up with this rope. And uh, I need you to see if you can – he called it skin the cat, which I can only imagine means that there's like some sort of technique where – you would like throw your legs up or, or you know what I mean? Like to where you could flip out of this thing and, and, and get out of that situation better and maybe be able to get a better grasp on the handcuffs. Uh huh. And so he's doing this and, uh, his wife comes in. <laughs> oh my God. And, uh, she's like, what the hell is going on here? And Joe's like, just some of dad's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny, and he does figure it out. I've not, I've not read the book, um, and I, I wanted to watch the movie with you, but you were Mister. Oh, I got to read the book first. So I have to. I know it's because like, I feel like getting to know the story is like if you watch the movie. I don't want to call it a cop out, but for me it is because then like, what's the point of even reading the book? So yeah, I want to put the work in first. I want to read the book first, and then I'll I'll watch the movie. Yeah. But, uh, um, this is something I want for Christmas. I want a little coupon book that's like, I will watch this particular movie without the book. <laughs> I, because like I've been trying to get you to watch Gone Girl with me oh, uh, since we met. And it was like, it's like, I got to read that book. I know. There, that one is like high on my list because I want to see that movie so bad. Our aunts bring it up. How many books have you read since I asked you that? Like dozens. So many. I know. I know. <laughs> but our aunts bring it up all the time and I'm like, God, yeah. I can't. Like I have to skip through it because I don't want any spoilers because I know there's like a big twist involved and I don't want to know anything until I read the book. It's Honestly, it's probably something you probably already know to some degree, but like it's still, it's still such a good – yeah. it is such a good movie. Oh my God. Okay. <sighs> that's a, that is the thing we need to do. <laughs> we need to do a David Fincher movie. I don't, I'm like, um, I will, will feel so stupid if we've already done one, but I don't think we have. I don't think so. No. I fucking love David Fincher. He's so good. Name some of his movies. Girl with the, the girl with the dragon tattoo remake, which is yeah. really fucking good. I don't care if you don't like it. Uh, fight me. Seven. Also. Oh, I've seen that. Perfect. Love seven. Um, social network. Seen that. Yeah. Um, uh, Gone Girl. Um, he actually is funny. Uh, he directed Alien Three. Uh, <laughs> the that's that's I don't I don't hate it. It's not it's not, it was his like first movie I think first big movie at least. I don't like those movies. I'm not I don't watch them. I don't. They scare me. It's not that I don't like them. I refuse to watch them because they're terrifying. They're, they're terrifying. Uh, what else has he directed? A ton of stuff. The Game. Um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. He's really good. 
He has, I mean, those are pretty big name movies, I think. Yeah. Um, so I was at work today and someone brought up the fact that NPR does a word puzzle game every Sunday, I believe. Okay. And um, so like every week they'll have a new puzzle and you have to solve them and call in or submit your answer and they do a drawing and they give you a prize if you get it right. Um, but I thought this was really interesting. There is uh, a director, a famous director, where if you remove the first letter of his first name and flip the letters of his last name, both of the words are fish. Or they're types of fish. They're like aquatic animals. Oh, so, I thought it was like the word fish? Okay. No. <laughs> so, and I will, you think I'll know this? I'll leave it to you, yeah, to think on and submit your answers if you can. I don't have any prizes to give, but I just think that's a fun game for a movie podcast to do. I don't know. Uh, oh, so we're just stealing NPR's game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was weeks ago, so they've already, like, submitted. They've already done – not even weeks ago. It was probably, like, months and months and months ago. It was a long, long time ago. But I just want to see if, like, people can – figure it out first and foremost i want to see if you can figure it out but uh otherwise i think i'm just gonna wrap this episode up unless you had anything else to say about stephen king um no no i think he's he's really he's really good he's he's he is uh, he's a good guy he's a good <laughs> yeah um with way that, to go stephen king yes yes way to go uh because he he listens every week he tunes in yeah um <laughs> uh you can find us on all major social media sites at take three amp or take three amp.com if you want to listen to more episodes if you want to reach out to us feel free to email us at take three amp at gmail.com and those are all the number three we don't ever use the word three so if you're ever confused just use the number three we're also on patreon uh if you want to support us that would be amazing we certainly appreciate it we have some awesome perks up and that's at patreon.com slash take three amp the podcast that we bring up in this episode is the circle opens please go check out sarah she's amazing she's a huge supporter of ours we absolutely love her and i think that's it leave us a rating and review on itunes or uh, apple Podcasts. i think it's called now i always love listening to you do that why i ramble all of that shit off so well and it's like i'm always like um well we have a website (laughs) and uh it's i think it's called yeah no you did good i hate doing it because i almost feel like everyone's tuned out at this point and they're just like I feel like once they start hearing us tag things, they'll just turn off the episode. And I hope that that's not the case. But but yeah, you know where to find us. You know how to share us. Uh, We appreciate all of you listening. And we will see you next week for uh, V for Vendetta. Send us your thoughts on that as well. We'll we'll absolutely share it on the podcast. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.